Alrighty, hello again everyone and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for Thursday, the 27th of October, 2022. Happy Thursday to you. Oh, it's a Frank, you know, the Halloween's just around the corner. I'm going to focus a lot on Frankenstein today. Good old John Fetter. It's embarrassing. You thought that watching Joe Biden out there on the campaign trail was elder abuse. I don't know. This is uh, stroke survivor abuse. It's really... Sam. Anyway, we'll get to all that and more coming up. Just time to let me tell you about patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com. You can go support the show, get extra content, bonus content, pictures of the family, uh, the week in effing review, enter the contest to win autograph books, all that good stuff, all for the low, low price of $5 a month. For the love of God, $5 a month. So please consider supporting the program. It would mean a lot to me. All right. Let us get started. Action-packed show. Lots going on. It is... um, You can tell what happened last night in Pennsylvania without having to uh, have watched it. It's actually kind of hard to watch. I kind of thought C-SPAN might cover it, but they didn't. They were running gubernatorial debates from over the from last week but um a friend of mine sent me a clip and i said where are you watching this you know like abc 7 or abc 27 or something like somewhere up in pennsylvania so i uh, grabbed an ipad went to that website and started watching it and it was um i'll be honest i was a little nervous before the debate leading up to the debate for the Pennsylvania Senate race because expectations for John Fetterman were so low that you really had it was impossible for him not to meet it almost be clear it was almost impossible for him not to clear them for him not to beat expectations and so you go how how does that happen how does this well it happened because the guy had a stroke. The guy can't string together a coherent sentence. He doesn't make any sense when he talks. All he had to do was show up and not be that way. Not be that way. That interview he did with uh, the reporter for NBC News, remember all the media is like, I, I talked to him. I never had any problem with it. They just started attacking this poor girl because she dared ask questions and then she reported and what she saw, like he couldn't do small talk. Like, no, 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 no. I talked to him. I talked to him for an hour. There's no problem. There's no teleprompter. There's no nothing. You would never even know. In fact, I probably made more screw-ups than he did, said Stephanie Rule, which is entirely possible because Stephanie Rule is an incredibly stupid person. Not to say that Fetterman is an incredibly stupid person, although you have to question the intelligence of anybody who fully embraces left-wing ideology, going, eh, it's never worked anywhere, but I swear I can do it. Kara Swisher, the podcaster for Vox, said, I talked to him. There's no problem. I don't see what the problem, anybody who says that there was a problem, they're, they're just wrong. They're just wrong. So I was thinking maybe maybe the bar was set too low. 
I've only seen clips of his screw-ups, but if you see a 30-second clip of somebody screwing up and it's part of a 10-minute speech, eh, you know, I mean, it's a pretty bad screw-ups that he's had, but it's still part of a a 10-minute speech. And it's, it's devastating when you only see the 30 seconds. It's less devastating when you watch the whole 10 minutes. And if you're watching the debate, yeah, maybe somebody would uh, would come through and and look at it and say, well, you only screwed up 10 seconds or 30 seconds or whatever out of a one-hour debate. As it stands, my uh, concern was unfounded. My concern was not an issue. Having watched the debate and then having watched the left-wing reaction to the debate, there, the debate, there's something called the recount, which if you subscribe to Showtime, you are subsidizing the recount. It's a, it seems to be the last refuge for people who worked at Media Matters. They hire, they've got a bunch of people on staff who used to work at Media Matters. They, they're trying to be like a social media news. Thing. It's not working out for them. But Showtime keeps throwing good money after bad at them because they're true believers, and why the hell not? So again, if you're you're buying, if you're subscribing to Showtime, you are paying for this left wing activism. The longest clip of Fetterman they could come to up with where he was making a coherent point successfully was eighteen seconds. Eighteen seconds. It wasn't even a thirty second clip. Eighteen seconds. And they cut it immediately after he was done. Uh, actually, he wasn't even done talking. They cut him in the middle of a sentence. They cut him in mid-syllable because he was about to say something where you would listen to it and go, what? What the hell was that? So we have a bit of audio from all of this because it was a thing of beauty. Dr. Oz, you can tell that Dr. Oz won overwhelmingly by the left's reaction to it. They didn't say, we won. They couldn't say, we won. There's nobody on God's green earth who could look at that debate and go, oh yeah, no, the Fetterman, Frankenstein guy, the guy, he won. There's no doubt, no question about it. There's no one who in, in any believable sense could do that. So what did they do? They went on to talk about how Oz was a bully. And Oz was mean, it's horrible to he's ableist he's using ableism against fetterman who's disabled now we're told we've been told all summer long fetterman is perfectly fine he's perfectly he hid for three months i don't think anybody saw him for three months and then they'd release sort of hostage-like videos of him because he had the stroke on the friday before the uh the primary the Tuesday, he had the stroke on Friday. And they said, it's just a minor stroke. It's just a minor thing. It's no big deal. His wife called it a minor hiccup. Then after he won the primary, it came out that, no, it was life-threatening. It was massive. It was life. So they lied. They lied right from the get-go. They have lied throughout this thing. And they're still lying. They're still hiding his medical condition, his medical reports. His doctors are not putting anything out there. Why? Because, well, they don't want him out there. They're hiding something. Why would they be hiding? If it's good news, if the doctor is that they've got a doctor's letter that says, oh, no, things are good. He's fine. He's fit to serve. And it turns out that the doctor who wrote that note, the quote doctor who wrote that note, is a major donor to the Fetterman campaign. Like, you know, money's, you're not going to get that money back. So 
what are you going to say? You're a true believer if you're maxing out to a guy who had a massive stroke and can't hear people, can't communicate with people. So they've been lying from the beginning. And they said, well, no, 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 no. You could talk. Look, it's, it's, uh, he's, he's perfectly fine. It's Dr. Oz who's a bully. Wait, how the hell is Dr. Oz a bully? You can watch that thing. There's barely any point to, at which Oz goes after Fetterman. But when your opponent is you know, self-destructing, get out of the way. Don't get hit with the splatter. Liz Plank, who is an employee of MSNBC, because of course she is, she wrote in response to somebody pointing out some a clip, particular clip of how bad Fetterman wishes, when your side is so bad, they have to rely on ableism to win. The result on ableism to win. Now, what were they responding to? Julio Rosas, Rojas, or Rosas, I think, at uh, Town Hall, he tweeted out a video. So Fetterman just melts down after a long pause when confronted with his flip-flopping on fracking. That's what he flip-flopped on fracking. And the response to that is from the left, when your side is so bad, you have to rely on ableism to win. Oh, poor ableism. Those meanie ableists out there, it's just absolutely terrible. <laughs> of course, Liz Plank wrote a piece for MSNBC entitled Oz Bullies Fetterman for Missing Debates Due to Stroke. <laughs> no, that didn't happen at all. They were supposed to have five debates and then he canceled all of them but one. He canceled the only one that was after early voting had already started because they didn't want Democrats. Democrats to see what was going on with him. They'd had a lie. They were sticking with that lie. They were going to stick with that lie. They didn't give a damn. So it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Anyway, what is the fracking thing? Let's listen to, uh, because they came back at Fetterman. They said, you know, John, you, you used to, you said you you support fracking. You don't oppose fracking. But you, you said... In the past, you did oppose fracking. Now, the the um, moderator only cited one instance of him uh, opposing fracking, but there are multiple instances of him opposing fracking. This is, this is a clinic on, even if Fetterman had his wits about him, I'm not sure he could have handled most of what he did try to handle last night. He doesn't have his wits about him, so it became cruel. Not cruel on behalf of Oz, but cruel on behalf of his wife and his campaign that they would allow this to go on. Listen to this first clip. Create energy independence. I must correct the record. Uh, he... uh, just a second, Mr. Oz. I do want to clarify something. You're saying tonight that you support fracking, that you've always supported fracking. But there is that 2018 interview that you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. So how do you square the two? Uh, I, I I do support fracking, and I don't I don't I support fracking, and I stand and I do support fracking. Okay, thank you, Mr. Fetterman. <sighs> now that was the meltdown that Julio Rosas was talking about. I do support fracking, and I I do support fracking, and pointing out how absurd that answer is is ableism now. 
able I'm sorry, holding somebody who had any sort of medical malady is ableism now? Is that how it works? Or is it only when they're leftists? It's only when they're leftists. Now it's funny is that was a bald faced lie on behalf of Fetterman. Liz Plank, who I bet you dollars to donuts doesn't support fracking, wants to ban fracking. She's one of the mindless lefties who just does exactly what they're told. She had nothing to say about the content of it. She didn't seem to care about the lie contained in there. Now, how, Derek, how can you say there was a lie contained in there? Pretty easily. Pretty easily. I can say it in English. I might be able to say it in German. And if you give me a little bit of time, I could probably learn some other languages in which to say it. But uh, let's just stick with English for now, because upon hearing that, the Republican National Committee put together a little video of Fetterman's greatest hits. Now, remember, you just heard, I do support fracking. I I do support fracking. Uh, I support fracking. I support fracking. Here's the truth about Fetterman. Uh, I've, I've always supported fracking. I don't support fracking uh, at all, and I never have. Um, yeah, I called for a moratorium on fracking. There's no such thing as a green fracker. I- I'm not pro-fracking. 2016 fracking moratorium pledge that Fetterman signed for an environmental watchdog group, as well as a 2016 tweet he sent while running for U.S. Senate. I don't uh, support fracking. I, I think it's something that has to eventually go away uh and i would like to see it you know transition out i always supported fracking i always love i I love fracking uh somebody could frack frack my head go ahead frack it i love fracking that much he's a liar he's a total and complete liar it's unambiguous there. You can't just say, well, you know, split the difference, look at various things. No, there is no two ways about it. Up is down. No, 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 up is not down. Yes, but up is down. No, up is not down. And yet the left looked at that and said, well, oh, you're an ableist for pointing that out. Marianne Williamson, remember her? She was the hippie, dippy chick who, you know, like Oprah's Canada, is like Oprah's spiritual guru. Oprah, how much harm has Oprah brought to this country? Oprah, spiritual guru, she ran for president as a Democrat in 2020. She tweeted out during the debate, I'd rather have my senator be a principled man who sometimes has trouble getting his words out than someone who can get his words out but sacrificed his principles along the way. Now, isn't that nice? She's talking about it in support of Fetterman. Was that principled stance on the, the fracking issue? Is that a principle? Is it okay to betray some principles in the pursuit of power, Marianne? If it's on your side, it's a principled betrayal of principles? Is that how you're trying to say it? How principled is it to lie to the public about your physical well-being after recovering from a stroke? Because what was on display last night was not anything remotely close to somebody who is healthy and fit to serve. It's not politics the guy can't communicate part of the a big part of the job is talking with other people if you are incapable of talking with other people from the get-go you can't do the job you can't meet with constituents you can't negotiate with other members of the senate you cannot do much. You can't communicate with staff. Are you? What are you going to do? Are you going to have a stenographer with you all the time 
everywhere you go? There are some things, believe it or not, where senators have to communicate with other senators. Now, a lot of the time, most of the time, it is um, staff talking with staff, and then the senator is brought in at the end. But not all the time. There are such things as executive sessions where the Senate chamber is locked down. Members only are allowed in there, and they have a discussion about top-secret materials. How would a Senator Fetterman handle classified briefings? How would he do that? He could not receive them because there could not be a third party in there transcribing through a computer what is in there for many reasons. The person would have to have a security clearance. The computer would have to be secure. There'd be all sorts of, they're just, it would be impractical. He cannot do the job. That doesn't stop him. Doesn't stop his wife. If you loved John Fetterman, if you're his former illegal alien wife and you love this guy, and you're not trying to be a senator yourself because there's a theory out there that they want to get him elected, and then he resigns. There's an appointment made by a Democrat governor that puts Giselle Fetterman in there, and boom, miraculously, they've got her in there without her having to run or having to defend her uh, illegal alien status at one point in her life. If you want that, so if you love somebody, you'd go, no, I'm not going to, I wouldn't put them through this. If you're wildly ambitious or if you're like a a Jill Biden type and you want to desperately enjoy the trappings of power, then you plow straight ahead and you allow your mentally uh, diminished partner to go forward. Now, maybe Jill has reason to distrust Joe. Maybe Giselle does, too. Who knows? By the way, the, uh, the push to call everything... Any negative commentary about Fetterman, like the the audio I just played you of him contradicting, lying, it's lying, uh, about uh, fracking, it's met with cries of ableism. That's why ableism is trending right now on social media. Just some examples of who these people are. Washington Free Beacon tweeted, MSNBC guest on the Pennsylvania debate, quote, it certainly... It was certainly an example of such remarkable transparency. This is a candidate who is feeling stress, and there is such intense, often ableist scrutiny of how Fetterman was going to communicate, and he just did a debate in front of the nation. Oh, okay. Such a hero. Such a hero. And then there's the Liz Plank tweet I told you about. It's fascinating, Mitra Kalita says, it's fascinating how a stroke is wielded as a weapon in the Fetterman-Oz debate. Literally millions of us, myself included, who uh, identity, I assume it's identify, who identity as caregivers or survivors embrace imperfection and marvel at reinvention after a stroke. Okay. Uh, You're not running for the United States Senate, right? There's no reason to think that Fetterman can't fully recover. If Fetterman were to focus exclusively on fully recovering, you need to do pretty intensive rehabilitation and work in order to fully recover from a stroke. You don't just go, well, 
It's been a nice long weekend. I'm going to go get a job that requires me to communicate in a way that I can't communicate because of justice or something like that. That's not how the world works. But every, he's not entitled to the job. It's as though these people are saying, well, if you were on the fence before about Fetterman, once he had the stroke, you should definitely vote for him. That's, he deserves it. Or else you hate people who have strokes. No. <laughs> it's, the, it's not how the world works. Shouldn't be. Now, just to give an example, because in case you didn't watch it, and you probably didn't watch it, because you had to make an effort to watch it, although by now you likely, if you're at all on online, you have come across clips, you have come across sound bites, you've come across things, and it's telling how the, uh, the media is, uh, they're choosing, you can tell the, the partisanship of the media, I was listening to uh, some radio about this, and uh, the news at the top of the hours. Oh, some of his, uh, some of his responses were a little bit confused. There wasn't a response that wasn't confused, but that's the best you can do when you are a left-winger in the tank for the left-wing, and you say, I've got to find a way to polish this turd. What can I do? And you, you, you go, well, uh, sometimes he was able to not sound like he was confused and unaware of where he was or what he was doing. Wow, that's a, that's a hell of a statement right there. Now, what? how bad could it have been? See, if you're sitting there listening, you're driving to work, you're doing whatever you're doing, you're going, eh, you might be overselling this one a little bit, Derek. You might be overselling this one a little bit. Maybe you should wait and let's, okay. You can think I'm overselling it all you want. I'm going to play you a clip. You can decide for yourself whether or not I'm overselling it, whether or not I'm downplaying how well Fetterman did. This is a question. It's not a gotcha question. None of the questions were gotcha questions. This is a question about vocational education. Vocational education is wildly important. All these people going to college, the vast majority of people going to college, quite frankly, shouldn't go to college. What do I mean by that? Am I saying they're idiots, they're stupid, they can't handle college? No, although some of them certainly are. I'm saying that they're not mentally ready for college and maybe never will be mentally ready for college. When I first went right out of high school, I certainly wasn't mentally ready for college. That's why I majored in theater, took theater courses mostly, and lasted a year. But vocational training, as you go, oh, because all you're raised with is, yeah, go to college. It's the only way to get a good job. It's the only way to get a good job. It's the only pathway to get a good job. That's not remotely true at all. If you learn a skilled trade, if you get an apprenticeship, you will more than likely make more money than the average college graduate. Now, the average college graduate, if it's somebody who goes to medical school or law school, actually not even law school, medical school, they'll definitely make more money than you. But you'll probably make more money than the average sociology major. Certainly the grievance industry studies that are out there, you'll make more money as them if you're a welder. If you get an apprenticeship with an electrician, you become a journeyman electrician or journeyman carpenter you and you're good at the job you will make more money than they will without question no questions asked so vocational training is great when i was a kid you watched tv during the day when i was homesick from school during 
you know, segments on the price is right, there'd be a ITT tech, learn how to write computer codes, learn how to whatever, become an engineer, do it in your spare time, whatever it was. Now, I don't know if those programs were garbage or not, but they were at least aspirational. There were ways to make your life better. Vocational training does make your life better, or at least give you a, sh- you have to do it, but it gives you a shot at it. So it makes sense that it would come up in a debate, especially at a time when the president is trying to wave a magic wand to get rid of tens of thousands of dollars in student loan for everybody. And the left is still pushing you've got to go to college while college is going up at a, you know, you think 8.3% inflation is bad. Higher education has doubled since like the late 90s. That's not even close. More than doubled. And it'll more than double. It goes up exponentially. Weirdly, it goes up every time the government says, we're going to increase the amount of Pell Grants and student loans we're going to give, the the quantity, the the size of those things. And then the universities go, great, we'll just jack up our our costs commensurate to that, and we'll all live high on the hog, and we can hire another 15 diversity officers. So the question about vocational training is not a gotcha question. See if you can make sense out of what in the hell Fetterman says here. You have 30 seconds. Again, I think it's, no, it's, it's just the same the way the university for degrees as well, too. Supporting that and partnering with the, the unions and making sure that vocation training are as, 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 uh, as affordable and providing the resources to make sure everyone has the opportunity. Going to college isn't the right choice for, for every person, you know, but going to those kind of vocational schools, able to create a career to, to, weigh, to excuse me, to wane uh, reach a lot of a uh, high salary and again supporting to reduce those costs are critical too. Yeah, who doesn't want to go to a good vocational school? Vocational school over the high wage you gave Wega Boogie? What did he say? What did he say? I don't, I don't know what he said. It didn't stop him. He kept charging through because it made sense to him. It made sense to him. Whatever is going on in his head, I'm sure he's still all there in his head, did not make it to his brain. How is someone like that supposed to do the job of a United States senator? Would you feel adequately represented? It's not going, oh, my God, this guy's got a disability. No, this guy, if this guy goes away and spends a year or however long it takes, focusing exclusively and extensively on his own rehabilitation, he'll be right back to where he was. There are people who have strokes who make full and complete recoveries, and you'd never know they had a stroke. What did they do? They focus on their recovery. They don't, you know, return a campaign to run for United States Senate. I remember there was a kid, John. I mean, some depends on the... the size and location of the stroke guy i uh grew up with john i never knew him before his stroke he's a little bit a couple years older but he had a stroke when he was like i don't know 15 maybe pretty massive stroke the left side of his i think it was the left right side of his body one of the sides of his body it was never the same the other side of his body looked like a bodybuilder he kept him they did all he could he was going to live as normal a life as possible his stroke was so massive that it impacted him physically. He was able to speak. Fetterman can't speak properly, but he could speak properly 
if he worked on it. But you don't get hired for a job to represent a state in the United States Senate and then spend your first couple of years absent from that job focusing on rehabilitation. That's not what you should do. It's not what a good person would do. Elect me for a job that not only I can't do, but I won't do and don't plan on doing for some time to come. That's what Fetterman is doing. Putting aside his bad positions on issues, he was asked last night about whether or not he supports this idea that Democrats are all in favor of. You can imagine Imagine loving abortions so much that you want to pay for the travel for people to get one. This is going to be an issue soon with the trans and kids, too, because some states, thankfully, and it's really sick that it's not all states, but some states will go, you know what? Nobody can transition. Nobody can take hormone. Nobody can make any life body-altering decisions until they're 18 years old. Sorry, you can't do it. And other states, California, New York, whatever, whatever Democrat, Maryland probably, will pass laws that say, no, no, no. We welcome everybody and we will have our doctors do this. It's going to be the new abortion debate where you know the left is like, well, it's, we're pro-choice. We're pro-choice. Okay, this doctor doesn't want to perform abortions. And in some states they go, well, you don't have a choice. Wait a second, you're pro-choice and you're telling somebody you don't have a choice? You have to do this. What? You're bringing your religion into the uh, abortion room, and that's wrong. Leave it outside, churchy. Watch your... Like, no, no, it's amazing to me. We need to have pro-choice. We're not anti-religion, we're pro-choice. But you, with your religious exemptions, we're not interested in that. Get in there and perform that abortion. The same thing is going to happen with the trans. I, mean, I, will, not, uh, I will not give a 14-year-old hormone blockers or puberty blockers or testosterone i'm not going to perform a double mastectomy on a 13 year old i'm sorry no you are now a denier you are a gender denier and you have to do this or you will lose your medical license you think that's beyond the pale look at what they've tried to do with people who don't want to perform abortions because of religious reasons They've done the exact same thing. Don't even look at that. Look at what they've tried to do to that guy, Jack, whatever his name is, with the uh, the cakes out in Colorado. Oh, he doesn't want to make a cake for a gay wedding. You're a monster to destroy you. No, he just doesn't believe. It's a religious thing. All right, and go all the way to the Supreme Court, and he lo- they lose. And so Jack wins. He doesn't have to make the cake. And then what do they do? The next day, in walks a trans going, oh, I want a transition cake. Make me a cake. No, we're not going to. Same shop, say Masterpiece Cakes, I think it's called. No, I don't want to do that. Oh, no, no. Now we're going to do children. We're going to do just keep baking the cake. They keep going after the same guy, trying to destroy him and then destroy you as a result, destroy your liberty as a result. All the while telling you what? Well, conservatives are fascists conservatives are fascists they're totalitarians really totalitarians show me where conservatives are harassing somebody trying to destroy their business trying to destroy their life and livelihood and destroy their way of life and really quite frankly would be rather proud to drive somebody to show me where that is it doesn't exist 
Meanwhile, Democrats want to take your tax dollars and fly people around the country to get abortions if they can't get an abortion where they live. Listen to Fetterman say just that. Well, by the way, this is one of his more coherent answers. And this is one under normal circumstances, were he not uh, recovering from a stroke and incapable of doing the job and the Democrats weren't running around going, ableist, 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 to try and distract from how incapable of doing the job he is, they would have screamed and yelled about him if he were a Republican and gave this answer because he talks about pregnant women. Women only. He does not make allowances for all those pregnant men out there. He's a monster. Were he well, he looks like a monster, but were he not, you know, the cause celeb of you know, ableism, 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 they would be accusing him of transphobia. But they'll give him a pass because it's the 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 left wing's principles are on a sliding scale, and you can slide whatever is most urgent up to the top and replace uh, whatever it was that was most urgent at the top as needed, that just moves around, because they have really no principles. They have objectives. There's a difference between the two. Listen to his answer. Would you support allocating federal funds to transport women who live in states where abortion is banned to states where they can get one, and why? 30 seconds. I would. I I would, because I believe abortion rights is a, a universal right for all women in America. I believe that it I believe abortion is health care, and I believe that that is a choice that belongs with each woman and their doctor. Each woman and their doctor. What about pregnant men, you monster? Come on, man. Get with the times. Yeah, hip. You don't understand that women and men can get pregnant at the uh, same rate all the time. I had a pregnancy scare just the other day. I thought, oh, my God, am I pregnant? And then I realized, no, I'm a man. But... Uh, <laughs> These people are insane. Under normal circumstances, the woke police would be out for Fetterman's scalp. They would be. Oh, pregnant people. You're supposed to say pregnant people. And what's weird is, under normal circumstances, he's the type of guy who would be right along with that. He is as PC, as woke as anybody you could imagine. But because he's not all there, he's not nearly recovered from his stroke in any way, shape, or form, he's out there screwing up and he doesn't catch the fact that they're talking about pregnant women and the inherent transphobia. Just awful, awful transphobia that goes along with that. My God, what a monster. What a, what kind of a monster would ask that question? See, if this was AOC, she would have jumped down the debate moderator's throat saying, well, pregnant people, what about all the pregnant men out there? Trans men are women or wait, no, what? I don't know how the hell it works. There are no trans men getting pregnant, though. It reminds me of my genius idea that if you, uh, you want to have this debate about abortion, then offer to pay since uh, just make it all on Democrats' terms. We'll pay for all the abortion care you can possibly imagine or want for, uh, for trans women. Since trans women are women, we'll pay for all of the abortion care, for, and we'll see how necessary it is, how important it is, how it works out for a while. They never, No lefty will take you up on that offer. It's so weird. So that train wreck up in uh, Pennsylvania yesterday wasn't nearly done. 
there wasn't anything in which Fetterman came off looking like somebody up for the job. It's not to say I thought I was I didn't know much about Oz. I'd seen his appearances on Fox. Those aren't exactly adversarial interviews, so I didn't know how well he would handle being asked questions that were not tapping putts. And he did fine. He did fine. There's controversy. Some people are complaining about his answer on abortion, that he's not for a federal ban or whatever. You know what? Honestly, the point of the conservative argument against Roe v. Wade my whole lifetime, as far as I understood it, was that it should be left up to the states. That's the federalism argument. You can win much easier on the state level than you can on the federal level. And so if you want to ban it in your state, you can go and you can try and ban it in your state. But Roe prevented that. With Roe being gone, now if your state, if you really do have a majority support in your state, you can get abortion limitations or bans or whatever you want in your state. That's the very essence of federalism. And that is a good thing. I don't want the people in California dictating what I have to do in Maryland, and I don't want the people in Maryland dictating what I they have to do in California. If California does start to dictate what goes on in Maryland, I'd probably leave Maryland, move to another state, move somewhere. That's the beauty of the market. As you go, you know what? This state, look at what's happened in New York. They're hemorrhaging citizens. Why? Because the Democrats up there have made it unbearable to live there. They tax the hell out of you, and then they provide no services whatsoever, really, in any way, shape, or form for you. Oh, we'll get to the garbage pickup eventually. Don't worry. Stop complaining. We pick up your trash. Yeah, okay, but when you're taking out the trash and you get the ever-loving crap kicked out of you, it's not really super exciting. It's not really like, oh, well, at least they pick up the trash. So if you're buried underneath your own trash as somebody beats the hell out of you to rob you or just because they're insane, they decide to stab you, you can take comfort in the fact that you'll only have to lay there under the garbage for, you know, a little bit of time until the morning when the trash comes along to pick up or in the case of Manhattan by four o'clock in the morning when they're making the rounds up there to pick up the trash. So they'll eventually find you. So you got that going for you. That's the thing. People are leaving New York. Not because they hate New York. They don't like living in New York City or in New York State. It's because Democrat policies have made living there unbearable. Do you want, and Democrats would like nothing more than to be able to dictate New York style living or California style living everywhere. That level of taxation, that level of indifference towards law enforcement, etc., etc. You go, I don't want that. I live in wherever the hell I live for a reason. So I don't have to put up with that kind of stuff. Well, that's not how Democrats work. Democrats want to make sure that you as an American have no place to escape to. That seems to be what, what the Democrats want to do. They want to make it awful to live where they control and make sure that they're going to eventually make it awful to live where you live, where they don't control, because they don't want people to leave where they do control, if that makes sense to you. It doesn't make any sense. 
you'd think that there's a very simple solution to the hemorrhaging of populations, and that would be to, I don't know, change the policies that are driving people away. That's too much to ask. Just like the the state and local tax deduction that uh, national Democrats desperately want to do, it's nothing more than a tax cut for the rich. It's nothing more than a tax cut for the rich. See, the, the Trump tax cuts said, all right, you can no longer deduct your state and local taxes from your federal taxes. If you live in a high-tax state, you live in a high-tax state. You shouldn't get a tax credit for living in a high-tax state because that actually punishes people who live in a low-tax or no-tax state. Well, Democrats don't like that. Now, the only people it, it hurts, if you can say that, the only people it hits with a tax or a lack of a tax credit are fabulously wealthy people because the limitation is $10,000. Not $10,000 in income, but $10,000 in state and local taxes paid. You can take a deduction on your federal taxes up to $10,000 in state and local taxes paid. Now, who's paying $10,000 or more than $10,000 in state and local taxes? The rich the wealthy. The middle class person making $50,000 is not paying $10,000 in state and local taxes. They're not paying, probably not paying $10,000 total if they're any good at doing their taxes and itemize and, and are good with receipts. But Democrats insist that they, when they, every time there's a tax issue and a tax bill, they try to repeal this part of the tax cut. Who benefits from that? rich liberals in liberal states. That's it. That's only people who benefit from it. They are fighting actively for tax cuts for the wealthy. They're wealthy. They're funded by the wealthy more often than you you can possibly imagine. The big dollar donors are Democrats. The billionaires out there are Democrats. The people who inherit their wealth, who inherited their wealth, by and large, are Democrats. It's kind of funny. I was looking at uh, Netflix over the weekend. I can't it's Disney, Walt Disney's niece. She's like the only Disney survivor. She, get, she gets a bunch of money from Disney. She makes a fortune from it. She's fabulously wealthy. Never had to work a day in her life because her last name is Disney. She produced a document. She's a big, big lefty. She's never had to earn anything in her life. She produced a documentary and directed it I think it's on Netflix. It's on one of those things, but I'm pretty sure it's Netflix. About the problems with inherited wealth and the problem with wealth and money in general. And it, like, you're not giving up your money. You're not. You could easily tell Disney to go to hell, right? You could you could write up a contract with Disney that says, "Don't give me any more money. I absolve you of all responsibility for my uh, uncle's will, and I don't get." And you could easily do that, or you could set up a system where you never get another, the money still comes, but it never comes to your pocket, doesn't go anywhere near it. You could drain your bank accounts and give it to whatever, ending hunger, ending AIDS, ending whatever the hell it is that you were fighting climate change. You could give all that money out there. Lead by example, but she is not about to do that. Oh, sirree, Bob, she would not do that. Liberals never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, live the way they want to enforce on others. They just don't. They just won't.
tax the hell out of you and uh, find ways to not pay taxes themselves. Of course, the people who want to tax the hell out of you are the people who write the tax laws. That's how it is that the high-tax-loving Kennedy clan fought every time it's come up. We must never get rid of the inheritance tax, the death tax. It's just wrong that these millionaires and billionaires should be able to pass on this money to their children. Blah, 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 blah. The Kennedys have an estate worth, uh, at the time of the book, I'm from a book, got this from a, a book by Peter Schweitzer called Do As I Say, Not As I Do, Profiles in Liberal Hypocrisy. Um, they had an estate of worth about $500 million, all in tax-free trusts, most of them offshore that pay for all the Kennedy clans, um, whims, needs, desires, all their various settlements for different types of assaults and what have you. And over the course of that fund's existence, and over, they, said they paid $50,000 in the inheritance tax. The Kennedy clan, not a particular Kennedy, the entire Kennedy clan, $50,000 on... $500 million, probably way more than that now, in inherited wealth because they used the tax code that Uncle Teddy helped write and helped defend, making sure that the family farmer who can't put you know, the value of their land and their tractors and everything, their livestock, they can't put that in an offshore overseas trust and uh, just continue. So they, someone dies there and you can have... $10 million worth of property when you die if you're a farmer. You could have $50,000 a year in income and still have $10 million worth of property. And the government comes in and says, you know what, you're, they're dead. I want half. We get half. It's the half the inheritance tax. It's 50%. You go, we don't, what do you mean? We don't, we don't have $5 million. And they say, well, too bad. Looks like you're going to have to decide what you want to do with this property. You're going to have to sell it. You're going to have to do something to come up with that $5 million because like the mafia, the government doesn't wait. The government isn't very patient. The government isn't very understanding. And so in comes somebody like Bill Gates and this is, I'll pay you, uh, I'll give you $10 million for your $10 million property and then you'll be able to pay your taxes. Otherwise, you're going to lose it to the government. And then you begin to see how Bill Gates becomes the largest farmland owner in the country. That's not exclusively how Bill Gates manages to do it, but it's a factor. Right now, it's not as much a factor. The, the inheritance tax, the death tax, has been changed to be more favorable to real live human beings. But Democrats desperately want to change it back. They love taxes. They love taxes. They don't like paying them. John Fetterman has spent a lifetime screwing up his own taxes. That's giving him the benefit of the doubt that he screwed them up, not that he's a tax cheat. He was asked about that finally last night, about how it was that he has managed to miss, I believe it's something like 63 or 64 taxes that he owed. 64 different times he has fudged his taxes lied about his taxes, not paid his taxes, while wanting to raise taxes on everybody else. He asked about that. I don't know what he said. I've heard the audio. I've cut the audio up. 
I've listened to it. I still don't know what he said. See if you can decipher it. Mr. Fetterman, I will allow a 15-second rebuttal. He has specifically said you have not paid your taxes and that you want to raise taxes on Americans. How do you respond? Uh, absolutely. The Oz rule, of course, he's lying. It was helping two students 17 years ago to help them you know, buy their own homes. They, they didn't pay the bills, and it got her paid, and it has never been an issue in, in any of the campaign before. It was all about nonprofit. All right. Thank you, Mr. Fetterman. All right. Thank you, Mr. Fetterman. Now, if there were ableism going on in that debate, it would be, uh, you know what, Mr. Fetterman, I'm going to give you another 20 minutes to try and just decipher what the hell you just said, because I, as a moderator, have no freaking earthly clue what you just said. So you go ahead and you you keep talking and maybe eventually you'll make some sense. Like you, you can start over. We can pretend that the last 15 seconds didn't happen. What the hell is he talking? It's all, you know, it's a lie. He's lying. And uh, it was to help kids buy his home. Really? You needed help buying your home. Why the hell? How were you able to help other people buy their home when you needed your family's help to buy your home? One of your houses you bought off your sister for a buck. For a buck. How are you, how you helping other people? And then he just goes, uh, uh, non-profit. Huh? Not, when in doubt, just yell nonprofit, John. All right, yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good thing. Then the question of the minimum wage came up. Oz's answer was about the free market should raise the minimum wage, and it is raising the minimum wage. There's barely anybody in any part of the country that actually is working for seven dollars and fifty cents an hour. There just isn't. People won't do it. There are people, somehow they're managing to not work. You can't find people to work. Restaurants can't open. I was at a a pumpkin patch yesterday near Frederick, and they are short-staffed. They can't, they pay well. They can't find anybody to come out willing to work because, I don't know, man, what if I break a sweat? That'll be a really tough job. We've really turned into something weird going on in this country where we have disincentivized work and then enabled people not to work through throwing printing and throwing around COVID money. You really want to talk about where inflation is coming from. It's from all the money that is out there that is allowing people to not work. Fetterman was asked about the minimum wage. He tries to attack Dr. Oz for being wealthy at the beginning of this, but his family's wealthy. He's never had to work a real job. And then he just... Well, I don't know what the hell he says. I do, absolutely. I think it's a disgrace at seven twenty-five an hour. And how can a man, you know, with with you know ten gigantic mansions, you know, has uh, unwilling to talk about a willing wage for anybody? Imagine a signal mom trying with two children, trying to raise with them, realizing making thirty-one thousand dollars a year, you know, fifteen dollars an hour. You know, I believe every work has dignity, and every paycheck must have dignity in it as well. True, I've always supported a living wage. And we make sure that everyone has economic security. What the hell? Does, that's, a, that's like a buzzword salad. <laughs> Here's a bunch of Make sure. Dignity. Dignity is always a good one. Uh, living wage. We love the living wage. And uh, yeah, did I mention dignity? Throw in dignity there as much as, as humanly possible. But pointing this out, me mocking it, me 
even just pointing it out, although I am mocking it, is now ableist. It's now ableist. It's akin to pushing somebody in a wheelchair down a flight of stairs or something like that, which is, again, weird considering Democrats insist, even to this day, but they insisted before last night, that Fetterman was up to the job, that he has no disability. If he has no disability, if he's fine from his stroke, then there can be no ableism directed towards him. It's just how it works. Oh, yeah, that's right. They're lying. Never mind. And uh, by the way, near the end of the... Finally, uh, the debate in Pennsylvania, the uh, issue of Fetterman's racism did come up. You would think that it would have come up long before now. It came up once during the... uh, the primary debate, the black candidate brought up how Fetterman chased down a black man when he was mayor and uh, pulled a shotgun on him because he saw him running. He just assumed that a black man running had to be guilty of something because he's a good Democrat. He's a good progressive, good progressive. And so uh, the, the guy who was running against Fetterman in the primary brought it up and Fetterman just looked straight forward, didn't refuse to acknowledge it, didn't really say much about it at all. It came up last night. This would be the closest thing to bullying, I'd say. You could say if all these leftists whining going, Dr. Oz was so bullying of John Fetterman. But this isn't even really bullying. It's kind of an important thing that it would be all you'd hear about if it were a Republican. But it's not, so you're not allowed to bring it up. Listen to this one person on this stage who's broken the law, we believe. John Fetterman took a shotgun, chased an unarmed African-American man, and put the gun, apparently, according to that man, to his chest. John, you weren't pulled over by the police. Uh, They let you go. You were the mayor at the time. Why haven't you apologized to that unarmed, innocent black man who you put a shotgun to his chest? All right. We will allow a 30-second response to that, Mr. Fetterman, specifically what he was saying, referring to the incident in Braddock. I... I made the opportunity to defend my community as the the chief law enforcement officer there. Everybody in Braddock, uh, an overwhelmingly majority uh, community of of black uh, community, all understood what happened. You know, they uh, they understood what happened and everybody agreed that and nobody believes that it was anything about me making a split second decision to, to defend our community as well. (laughs) <laughs> what the hell is that? Look, everybody there, all the black people loved that I pulled a shotgun on a black guy for jogging near my house. I didn't want him jogging near my house. But obviously, you see a black guy running, you immediately think criminal. You got to grab your shotgun and chase him down. I don't know what it, everybody agreed to that, especially the black people. I don't really think that's the case. But uh, eh, at least he's on the I'd say, I can't say that. I was going to say, at least he's on record about it finally. But what is that? Okay, you're great. You're on record. Let me get you on record. What are your opinions about this? Um, sandwich, the chairs against, suddenly you're speaking like an old Soviet, uh, or in code so the Soviets don't get it. The chair is against the wall. The fat man walks alone. Um, the right-handed man can't wear a left-handed pair of shoes. Okay, well, What? Well, I'm on the record now. You've got, I've, I've said all I'm going to say on the topic. <laughs> okay. You, you, you definitely put words out there. You definitely put words out there. So then came time, the end. Now the end is near. And suddenly, 
in his closing now the closing argument in his opening statement i didn't play this i didn't want to play this it's too short and it could be i'll give him the benefit of the doubt on this one but in the opening statement they say go ahead here's your opening statement fetterman frankenstein speak and he goes hello good night okay now he doesn't stop there and like expect people to leave but literally like the second word out of his mouth was good night to people and i think he meant to say good evening but he just said good night that one under normal circumstances i'd chalk up to somebody simply misspeaking but fetterman it's obvious that it's because of his stroke but i'll let it slide because it's minor when it comes to his closing statement he becomes chumbawamba remember chumbawamba i get knocked down but i get up again you're never gonna keep me down he becomes chumbawamba in his closing statement now the closing statement you're about to hear he it's prepared it is prepared it is scripted it is memorized it is the campaigns for both for everybody's campaigns closing statement is is canned they prepare they they'll go this is you get 90 seconds this is where you really have to summarize it. You get some more digs in on your opponent, what have you. By the way, in, in Oz's closing statement, Fetterman started yelling in it. He randomly would interrupt Oz. Now, Oz was mostly until the very end of Fetterman's speaking. Then Oz would say, no, that's not true. That's not true. But in Fetterman, in, in Oz's closing statement, Fetterman goes, you want to cut Social Security like he just woke up from like a dream about somebody trying to cut Social Security. It was very bizarre, and he had to be reprimanded for it. It was weird. Anyway, listen to Chumbawamba's closing statement there. Mr. Fetterman, you are first 90 seconds. Once again, I would just like to say that I... My campaign is all about fighting for anyone in Pennsylvania that ever got knocked down, that had to get back up again. You know, I'm also fighting for any forgotten community all across Pennsylvania that ever got knocked down, that had to be made to get back up. And I've made my entire career dedicating to those kinds of pursuits. I started as a GED instructor back in, in Braddock over 20 years ago because I believe it's about serving Pennsylvania, not about using Pennsylvania for uh, their own end interests as well. Uh, to me, careers are revealed uh, by your, your real underlying values, and my values have always been about fighting for forgotten communities all across Pennsylvania. All right. Thank you, Mr. Fetterman. I want to help those communities who get knocked down and then get back up again. And they're never going to keep them down. They get knocked down, but they get up again, those marginalized communities, and you're never going to keep them down. They get knocked down, but they get back up again. Yes, do you want to hear the personification of the white savior complex? There it is right there. Especially communities, the color communities, they get knocked down, they get back up. Yeah. You could you could really help uh, the communities of color there, Fetterman. Just start right away. Um, you know, one significant way to help them would be to stop pulling shotguns on them. Just say it. Throwing it out there, it's an idea. Do with it what you will. But if you really want to help anybody, not putting a shotgun to their chest is a good place to... St- it's a good rule of thumb, just for everybody out there. It's a good rule of thumb. <laughs> That was the prepared remarks. Chumbawamba song. Oh, no, no, I want to get everybody who's been knocked down. 
I my whole life has been your whole life has been that your whole life has been spent leeching off your parents dude until you're like 41 years old you never held a real job and then somehow I don't know who the hell Braddock Pennsylvania is but who was he running against for mayor when he finally got a job where his family said okay now you're making enough money you can support yourself we don't have to subsidize your rent we don't have to pay your rent. At some point, there has to be a a, 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 a a dead guy or somebody caught literally murdering people was on the other side of the ticket. And they go, you know what? We got to go with the, the, the Frankenstein guy over there who's seven feet tall and has a, a growth out the back of his neck that, I don't know, seems to talk to him. I don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, we got to vote for Chumbawamba. What we really need is a giant white Frankenstein-type guy to look out for our interests. Save me from having to do it. Anyway, it didn't work out as well as you might think for John Fetterman. News Nation is a a news... I don't know if it's a website or I don't know if it's a... I think it's a TV station too, or a TV channel. I don't know. The only, the only cable... I try not to watch any cable news. And I find that life is better without watching cable news. You don't have to listen, watch cable news. I'll tell you anything that happens. So there, you're now absolved from having to watch awful cable news where they have the same seven guests on constantly. But occasionally, the only thing I watch with any regularity is um, a special report with Brett Bear because it is straight up news until they get to the panel and then like if a byron york isn't on the panel byron york i find any reporters real reporters if their panel's just a couple of radio hosts or worse fox news employees i turn the channel because you're not going to learn anything from them and then i'll watch like the beginning of jesse waters until like the first guest if they have a guest that's and again, a radio, nothing against radio hosts, but I mean, come on, you're you're a news network, you can get lawmakers, you can get newsmakers, and they go, now for a reaction, we turn to it, and I'm like, no, for a reaction, I turn to the remote, remote control, and I'm done. Your life will be much better and simpler if you stop watching that stuff so much, unless there's breaking news. But the News Nation, they hired Chris Cuomo, yeah, Andrew Cuomo is the disgraced governor, Chris Cuomo is the disgraced CNN host. Um, he's now got a show over there on News Nation, wherever it, I think I might even have News Nation on my cable system, but I don't watch it. Um, he interviewed, he did a focus group with Pennsylvania voters afterwards, and it did not go well for any of them. There's one woman who's like, I I vote because of abortion, I'm pro-choice and blah, blah, blah. And all she did was talk about how glad she was of Dr. Oz's answer. You know, it was actually pretty good. I was quite relieved to hear Dr. Oz's answer. And like, well, so are you going to vote for Fetterman? She's like, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Because you couldn't watch that without thinking, there's no way Fetterman can do this job. He's going to screw things up. He's going to make things. It's not going to work well. If Think of it this way. If you get a 50-50 Senate and Fetterman can't do the job, and he's missing a lot of work because he's got to go and get physical therapy, get therapy, so speech therapy. And he can't do the job or he's worse. He has another stroke. And he's not there to do the job. What happens? You've got a 50-49 Senate. 
for an extended period of time. Now, only a member can resign. So if Fetterman has a massive stroke, God forbid, I don't wish it on him, but if Fetterman is elected senator and he has a massive stroke and he's in a coma, guess what? That's it. He could be in a coma for you know 10 years. It would probably wouldn't win re-election. I don't know what Democrat. If Democrats are going to elect him in this state, I wouldn't put anything past them. But there is no real mechanism to remove somebody. They could expel him from the Senate, but it would require, I think it might require a two-thirds majority. But in any event, it would require a majority vote. Why would Republicans vote to expel somebody from the Senate who can't do their job, which their absence puts them in the majority? So there's a lot of things that they have to consider when voting for a United States senator. If you're voting for somebody who's 97 years old for the United States Senate, you've got to worry about these sorts of things. If you're voting for somebody who had massive stroke and hasn't recovered and has to recover and you know may have other issues that they, there's a reason he won't release his medical records, you have to assume then you have to take these things into account. So this woman was like basically saying she wouldn't commit to voting for Dr. Oz as Democrat woman, but she's basically said she's going to vote for Dr. Oz because she was so disturbed by Fetterman. Tells you a testament to how awful local media is that that debate was the first time the people of Pennsylvania got a serious look at Fetterman and the damage he suffered from the stroke. But there's one... Democrat voter or leaning toward Fetterman. This is a testament again to how bad local media is and how much they've covered up for Fetterman. He switched his vote in the reaction show with Chris Cuomo. Definitely, uh, I'm an independent, by the way. I was definitely leaning towards Fetterman, and I think I have totally changed to the Oz side. Why? I felt that um, Fetterman. I felt that Fetterman just looked like he didn't have command of the facts. I do think. His condition, unfortunately, is going to affect his ability to do the job. I thought Oz uh, was pretty clear on the issues, um, and I thought he presented himself well and uh, definitely threw out some plans where I didn't see any plans coming out of Fetterman. All right. Appreciate it. There it is. The guy switched his vote. That was just one. There were many. Even the usual suspects over at CNN and MSNBC and the reaction show, they, they were not. MSNBC spent more time talking about the ableism and the meanness and the bullying of Dr. Oz than they did anything about the debate, which tells you something. And on CNN, they even had former Biden administration officials saying it's hard to look at this debate and think that uh, Fetterman is up to the job because there's really no way to look at that debate and think that Fetterman is up to the job. You may ask yourself, how can you have anybody vote for somebody like that? I don't know how somebody can vote for somebody like that. I don't know how anybody can look at Fetterman and go, he's the guy. He's the guy. He's the guy. How do you convince anybody? How does he, if he can't convince anybody, you go, all right, John, here's an undecided voter. Talk to him for a minute. Ah, fire bad. Uh, stand up, knock down. Uh, Oz, 10 million houses, uh, $40,000 minimum wage, uh, sandwiches. Well, I'm sold. I'm sold. It wasn't all Pennsylvania uh, debates. This is the debate season. It's wonderful. There was a gubernatorial debate in Michigan where uh, it's surprisingly getting close in Michigan. I don't know. Gretchen Whitmer has the... uh, power of incumbency 
and Tudor Dixon, the Republican nominee there, has never held political office. So the entirety of the establishment is out there. I get a lot of emails, and I'm getting a lot more emails from the Gretchen Whitmer campaign, which to me means that she's concerned. And the poll numbers show that this is closing to a margin of error race because, frankly, Gretchen Whitmer is a horrible person and a horrible governor. She really has been. The power of incumbency can only go so far. And right now, with gas prices rising yet again, people are looking at what's going on and they're, they're blaming the governor, fairly or unfairly. It's weird. It's the media complaining about gas prices when it's a Republican in charge. It is the media educating the public about how the president, the governors, whatever, they don't really have, they can't do much about these gas prices. So any claim that they're, they're responsible for them is just beyond the pale and how dare they, probably racist, maybe even ableist now. I suppose now that uh, ableism has become so wildly popular amongst the kids on the left, that they'll find new and creative ways to insert it into everything. You're, ra maybe racist will re be replaced by ableist. Because you got to love, you got to love it. Fetterman is perfectly fine. Quit asking questions about his health. He's fine. But to ask, no, wait, now we saw him. Uh, now you're questioning his health? It's because you're ableist. Oh, okay. So we're discriminatory against somebody who's fine? How are we discriminating? How do you discriminate against somebody who's fine? Uh, in an ableist kind of way. I'd, I, I yield all the remaining time to you to go ahead and explain that one because I don't think you can. Well, they can't. The debate in Michigan went really well for Tudor Dixon. She has the benefit, I'll be honest, she has the benefit of being, of not having a record to defend, all right? Gretchen Whitmer ran, and I'm going to fix the damn roads. That was the thing. She was, oh, she's swearing. She says damn roads. And then she didn't fix the damn roads. And now you go to Michigan, and you can't go anywhere without there being construction everywhere. Why? Because the election's coming up. So they're throwing up the cones, and they're resurfacing. They're doing sort of a, a half-assed job on, on fixing the roads, quote-unquote. The thing is, they did this all the time in Michigan. It's not as much of a problem here in Maryland because we don't get the deep freeze that you get in Michigan and they don't use salt nearly as much as they do in Michigan. Salt is everywhere. You get high blood pressure walking down the street in Michigan. They use so much salt everywhere because it snows and it, it freezes. Well, if you pre-treat the roads, then the odds of the roads freezing don't really, it doesn't really come to be. And if you're 10 degrees warmer than a place like Michigan, then the odds of it refreezing after it's been chemically treated to not freeze are pretty slim. But in Michigan, it gets really, really cold. And so they put the ice down, they put the salt down, and then the salt melts, the water goes into the concrete with the little cracks in there, and then it refreezes because it gets colder. And then it gets cold past the point where the salt can work at all, and water expands. Water expanding in concrete means that it cracks. Water is water is amazing. So while it's necessary to live, but it's a wildly destructive force in nature. It really, really is. And a little bit of water in there freezing can crack concrete. You sit there and go, well, why wouldn't the water move up the crack? No, water moves other things. Water takes control. It's an unstoppable force. 
So you crack the concrete even more, and then a car drives over that crack thing, and it's uneven, and boom, you end up with a pothole. Chips out. Because you sit there and you look at some of these potholes, you go, what the hell? Did somebody sneak out here with a sledgehammer and just bang the hell out of the freeway? And no, it's the power of water and the weight of automobiles going over. That's how they come to be. So Gretchen Whitmer sort of superficially, quote-unquote, fixing the roads, will fool some people. It'll fool some people. Oh, the roads are getting fixed. It's nice and smooth. Until the other side of winter when you go, wait, these roads, these potholes are back. Because if you just smear asphalt over the top of it, you're putting a Band-Aid on the problem. What you really need to do is rip the roads up, redo them properly the first time with the new concrete that's designed to withstand the expansion and contraction and you know the better drainage. But they don't do that. Nobody ever does that. The only people who ever did that were the Germans, the Autobahn. Because otherwise, you drive, there's no speed limit. You can drive 150 miles an hour down the Autobahn. You wouldn't be able to do that down an American freeway because what? You'd hit one pothole and your car tire would explode. The tire would probably, the rim would probably be ripped off the, the damn car. And you'd spin to a fiery death, probably taking out 15 or other drivers with you along the way. You can't do that. So you should go, what do Germans do to build the Autobahn? And go, that might be a good idea because they have winters over there as well. So that's a big issue in Michigan. The school closures are a uh, big issue in Michigan. Gretchen Whitmer downplayed. She said, I only closed the schools for three months. She did not. They were closed for a year. She lied about that. She's lied about everything. She's just, she does it with a smile. And she does it with MS. She was on MSNBC this morning talking about how wonderful she is and how radical Tudor Dixon is. Tudor Dixon is so terrible and awful. and every, Yeah, Tudor Dixon is a mother who uh, is concerned about kids. You're a mother who's not – you're concerned that your kids won't be able to have an abortion. Okay? That's great. Your kids get to go to private school. Your husband gets to go and launch his boat when you've locked everybody else out of launching their boats. And uh, your kids can have all the abortions they want. Everybody else's kids get screwed. Everybody else's boat gets locked up. Nobody else is allowed to visit their vacation home, but your husband is. Maybe you don't want your husband around. I don't know. Um, maybe your husband doesn't want to be around you. I wouldn't blame him. But it was uh, it was a pretty good night up there in Michigan for Tudor Dixon. And then up in New York, this is the one that's got Democrats really scared. If the race for governor in New York, New York, it doesn't get any bluer than that. If the race for governor in New York is close, then Democrats are in trouble everywhere because Democrats have already sort of set themselves up for a post-election spin, right? It is Republicans, they're voter suppression. There's going to be voter suppression if if Kemp wins down in Georgia and if uh, Walker wins down in Georgia. There's going to be voter suppression, the new Jim Crow. They're set to do that. It's going to be voter intimidation if Republicans win where Republicans are expected to win with each House seat. They all have their individual playbook to try. They won't acknowledge, most of them won't acknowledge defeat. They have to deflect. The party's plan is to accept the results of the election, but do what they did in 2016. Okay, Donald Trump is president, but he's an illegitimate president. He didn't really win. That's what they're positioning themselves to do in the House and possibly Senate losses. If you've got a Republican even getting close in New York statewide, 
You can't make it it was a voter suppression. It was whatever, whatever excuse you're going to come up with for an electoral loss. You're looking at a serious wave election there if New York goes red. Lee Zeldin, congressman up there, is running against Kathy Hochul. Kathy Hochul is the incumbent, but she's never been elected to governor. She got the job after uh, Andrew Cuomo had to resign because uh, he finally, they reached the magic number of a dozen, I think, women that he's uh, accused of sexually harassing and sexually assaulting. They didn't have a problem with five. They didn't have a problem with 10. But once they got around that Baker's dozen number, they said, well, probably a bridge too far. Well, crime is a massive problem everywhere, even in New York. Now, you'd expect crime to be a problem and Republicans to be able to use crime in certain areas, particularly where Republicans are a majority. They could use it against Democrats in reddish or purple districts. But you wouldn't expect it in New York unless you know what's going on in New York, where crime rates are soaring, especially New York City. So you have this situation, and you want to talk about an out-of-touch moment. And, you know, they always talk about the 1992 debate with uh, Ross Perot, Bill Clinton, and George H.W. Bush, where uh, President Bush checks his watch. Remember, famously. Now, nobody noticed the guy checked his watch. The guy checks his watch. The guy wears a watch. People check their watches. You want to know what time it is. But they've made that, the media spun that and Democrats spun that into George W. Bush, H.W. Bush. He's checking his watch because he's bored. He's bored and he doesn't want to be there and he doesn't care what the American people have to say because this was the town hall debate. Ever since then, all candidates have taken off watches during debate. It's sort of pathetic, but that's where we are as a society. Somebody should have just said, check his watch. Do you want to know what time it was? Okay? Period. But uh, ever since... I just remember them making a big deal out of that. Very uh, infrequently are there debate moments that are difference makers, where you sit there. I mean, the whole Fetterman debate was a a difference maker. But in the uh, Zeldin-Hokel debate, there was a moment where Lee Zeldin talks about the cashless bail and the criminals roaming the streets and the governor being fine with releasing criminals without any sort of bail, no matter what crime they committed except for murder. And the governor of the state of New York doesn't understand. She's like mad. Why do you, I don't know why you keep bringing this up. Well, the reason this race is close is crime. People are sick of crime. Even people in New York City are sick of crime. And Democrats aren't sick of crime. This, pers- this, this clip personifies that perfectly. You don't understand why it's so important to lock up criminals to a Republican. This, this governor, who still, to this moment, we're at, what are we, halfway through the debate? She still hasn't talked about locking up anyone committing any crimes. Okay. Anyone is- who commits a crime under our laws, especially with the change they made to bail, has consequences. I don't know why that's so important to you. I don't know why that's so important to you. Anyone, there are consequences. No, no, no. Somebody goes up and beats holy hell out of an Asian woman walking down the street. They're out two hours later because there's no cash bail. There's no cash bail. There's no cash bail, and there's only certain things that you can hold somebody without bail. That's murder, and I believe rape. 
That's about it. Maybe attempted murder. But I don't know what the hell you'd call beating holy hell out of an 87-year-old woman on the street for no reason. She falls over and she has to be hospitalized. I wasn't trying to kill her. I just really wanted to damage her. Like, okay, no, I'm sorry. What you did almost killed her. Your intent, or what you claim is your intent, is irrelevant to what your actions are. But can you imagine something? I don't know why, why this is so important to you. You don't understand why crime and fighting crime would be so important to, to Lee Zeldin? Well, you don't understand what why crime and fighting crime is so important to the people of New York who don't want to be criminal victims of crime? You don't understand it? It's one of those moments where you're like, oh my God, did she really just say that? And yes, she really did just say that. She really did. I don't understand why this is so important to you. Why don't you just shut up about this crime thing, all right? We get it. You don't like crime. Blah, 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 blah. Really? That's the cavalier attitude you take towards this? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. And Zeldin went back to that well. He went back to that well and pounded the governor and the re-election campaign of the governor on that very issue. It was, it was beautiful. And if you are at all in New York and you're sitting there going to, you're concerned about crime, you came away from that debate with the, not the belief, the knowledge Now, there's only one candidate who gives a damn about this. The other one does. The left is so beholden to the left, the radical left, that they go, look, I'm getting killed on the issue of crime. But if I come out and say we should reinstate cash bail so criminals aren't aren't on the streets, violent criminals aren't, I'll get killed by my base. That's how far gone the Democratic Party really is. Listen to Lee Zeldin just destroy the Hochul campaign. Yeah, of course. I, unfortunately, Kathy Hochul believes that the only crimes that are being committed are these crimes with guns. And you, you have people who are afraid of being pushed in front of oncoming subway cars. They're being stabbed, beaten to death on the street with hammers. Go talk to the Asian American community and how it's impact them with the loss of lives. Jewish people targeted with raw, violent anti-Semitism on our streets. It just happened yet again. We need to be talking about all of these other crimes, but instead, Kathy Hochul's too busy patting herself on the back. Job well done. No, actually, right now, there should be a special session. The state legislature should come back and they should overhaul cashless bail and these other pro-criminal laws with zero tolerance. But they're saying, elect me. She says, elect me, and then you'll find out where maybe I'll stand on this issue in January. Perfectly put. I don't know where this race is going to end up with two weeks to go, but if, if Zeldin pulls off the upset, it'll be a horrible night for Democrats. And right there, those two clips will be why. Those two clips will be why everything, because it's not just he's debating Kathy Hochul, but he's arguing with every Democrat out there, every Democrat mayor, every Democrat governor, every Democrat wannabe mayor and wannabe governor, every Democrat in the Senate, every Democrat running for the House, you name it where they are. This is the Democrat Party's line. This is who they've become. And Lee Zeldin pointed it out perfectly. Oh, you you claim to care about crime, but you won't say what you're going to do about it. And you as governor have the exclusive ability to call an emergency session of the state legislature to address this issue. Why won't you do that? Why won't you do that? Because she doesn't intend to do it. She doesn't care. None of them care. It's pretty simple. As we uh, get toward the end of this, I just want to point out Joe Biden 
wants you to get another shot, get another booster. He had an event yesterday at the White House. Really kind of a pathetic and sad event. He's got his COVID team around him, right? There's my COVID team. All my COVID teams. Can I get a shout out for my COVID team? Except for one, Rachel Walensky, the head of the Centers for Disease Control, wasn't there. Why wasn't she? She must have had some sort of wedding or or no, wait. She wasn't there because she had COVID. (laughs) A month ago, three weeks ago, whatever it was. She'd gotten the new booster shot, the one that the president was getting, the one that the president is going to, in this clip you're going to hear, telling people to get because it stops and it saves and it doesn't walensky has covid right now like okay um she wasn't at the event and this is in the wake of you know i'm just not just mocking walensky from for getting it this is after we've learned that the pharmaceutical companies did not test for uh, stopping the spread right now, the argument that they made at the beginning is this will save your life. It will prevent you from getting COVID and it will prevent you from spreading COVID. And you really need to get this shot because it will save grandma's life at the uh, at Christmas, right? It will save grandma's life at Christmas. You can go, go there and see this shot. And you, you'll save everybody because you can't give people COVID when you get this. And then it turns out that... The pharmaceutical companies recently admitted in an EU hearing, and it's sad that it took the EU to do this. They recently admitted that they never once tested whether or not the vaccine shot, whatever you want to call it, the booster shot, would prevent the spread. They didn't test it. And then it turns out that they knew that it didn't on top of it, that our government not only knew that they didn't test for the top of the spread, that Over time, there was enough data to show that it didn't actually stop the spread. It barely did anything. It gave people slightly less adverse outcomes. But the kill rate, the mortality rate, was still pretty low with COVID, thank God. And so the whole thing has been a lie. And yet here they are going, we're going to spend another $10 billion on vaccines. We're going to do this. We're going to make sure you get your shot. The CDC, knowing full well that this doesn't do a damn thing, is saying kids need to get the shot. Kids need to get the shot in order to go to school, under their words. Like, no. And then here's the president yesterday, while his head of the CDC, who'd already gotten the shot and enough time had passed to, to have kicked him, or were told it'd take two weeks, the head of the CDC was not there at this event because she has COVID. Good afternoon. I'm here today with uh, my COVID team as well as leaders from some of America's top pharmacies, Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, Albertsons. And we're here with a simple message. Get vaccinated. Update your your COVID vaccine. It's incredibly effective, but the truth is not enough people are getting it. We've got to change that so we can all have a safe and healthy holiday season. That's why I'm getting my shot updated today. So we can all we were promised a safe holiday season two holiday seasons ago and one holiday season ago and now it's making the promise again and who's left to believe him is there anybody left to lie to is there anybody out there left to lie to i don't believe there is i can't believe there is i don't know how the hell there could be but who would be out there believe oh well joe biden says it joe you've been double vaxxed and double boosted now you're triple boosted with the new one that is designed to prevent the spread of Omicron, subvariant, whatever, blah, blah, blah. 
the same shot that your head of the CDC got, and it's the same strain that she's now got and is out of work with. And you're telling us it works. What does it work to? What does it do? What does it do? They don't want you to know. But get your kids a shot. Come on, everybody, get the shot. Are all of these people massive shareholders in Pfizer? Is that where we are as a society? Do we need to know where is Hunter Biden putting his money this this time of year? Because it seems to me that it'd be in Pfizer and Moderna or something. Because I don't know what the hell is going on. The president of the United States can stand up there against all. Now, there's a possibility Joe just doesn't know. But the people around him theoretically should know. All of them should be sitting there and saying, "Okay, we'll just pump the brakes a little bit on this thing. It's not working. Maybe for the elderly. Sure, pre-existing conditions, fine. Children, not so much. And it won't stop the spread. But there's the President of the United States lying about that too because that's what he does. He gave us his word as a Biden. It's, it's about all it's worth. Anyway, we're out of time for today. I appreciate you listening. Have yourself a wonderful one. We'll be back to do it once again tomorrow. <laughs>